I think Mullen is missing her mummy and her little brother. Yeah, she's with Papa today. <laughs> she's cute, though. All right, now she's hiding behind her Papa. All right, can we stand to her feet? Is this okay if Mullen hugs me while we pray? How's that? Is that allowed in church? <laughs> All right, let's pray. Lord, let your word be my delight. In your commands, I will rejoice. Let your glory be my choice. Let your promises be my hope, your providence my guard, your arm my strong support, and yourself my great reward. Stay standing, and we're going to read in Matthew chapter 28 as soon as I get there. And I want you to... This is the basis of our of our verses today. Um, Verses 18 to the end. It says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. This is God's words to us. And everybody said, Amen. Go ahead and take your seat. Come, Molly. All right. Do you you want to? Sorry, baby. Do you want to go sit beside Beth? Okay, Molly, I think you need to go sit down now. Come. Go see. Thanks, baby. All right. Good morning, everyone. Can I give you a quick update on Oscar? Is that was that okay? So as you know, or didn't know, Oscar on Monday had, uh, had surgery on his heart, and we spoke with the, the surgeon afterwards, and he said everything that they would have hoped for the surgery to accomplish was completely accomplished. So it went extremely well from their perspective, and so that was very good news, and we were very happy about that. It was amazing because, you know, they take his, um, his oxygen levels in his blood, and prior to the surgery, they were like 93, 94, 92, but when he was sleeping, they would have been 88. Now, that's out of 100, of course. Post-surgery, they were at 98, 99, and 100, and that was like immediately after surgery, which was kind of shocking for us. So I guess they did something right because it's shot up. So Oscar's at home today with Rachel. He is recovering. They, we came home from the hospital on Saturday. Quite amazing when you think on Monday he had surgery and on Saturday he's back home. Uh, He's recovering well. If you were to look at him this morning, you would probably think, he didn't go through that this week. So thank you, Uh, Rachel, and I just want to say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your support. And really, it's a powerful thing to see the faithfulness of God. Amen. Someone had asked me, Rachel had asked me, that Rachel, not my wife Rachel, had asked us a while ago, she said, how are you going through this? And I read something very interesting. How many people know the song Amazing Grace? We sing it here in the church. A guy named John Newton wrote that song. And a lady was going through death, and she was, had some disease, I can't remember the disease she had, and she had written John Newton a letter. And she said to John Newton, I'm not sure I can go through this. This is too much. I'm overwhelmed. I'm not sure how I can handle this. And John Newton wrote her back a letter and said this. He said, "Let let me tell you something about the grace of God. He says, the grace of God is faithful. The grace of God is power. The grace of God is God's strength. He says, but also, the grace of God isn't something you can store up. 
So you don't say, oh, today I got five pounds of God's grace or a bucket size. No, that's not how it works. You get the grace you need from God in the moment you need it. Amen. That puts the pressure on God. Because could you imagine if it was you and I say, I better have enough grace because who knows what's coming next week? No. God is faithful. God is good. So I can say, and I know you have your story as well, God's grace will always show up in the moment you need it the most. So you never have to worry, will I have the strength to go through this? Will I have the courage to go through this? Will I have the faith to go through this? No, no, that's the wrong question. The question is, will God be faithful? And the answer is always yes. Amen? So we experience a little bit about the, of that grace this week. And let me encourage you that you can experience that same grace this week, next week, next month, whenever and wherever you find yourself. God is faithful. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for today. Thank you as we talk about vision, as we, as we say, who is Port Church? Why are we here? What are we called to do? Father, may this resonate inside of us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you take the words I speak and you bring life to every heart and every mind. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We've been working through a statement. Marco, you can pull that statement up. And this statement sort of is a... Is a a bones of, of to define who we are as a church and, and sort of how we think and how we believe. And then what I've been doing is working through this on the first Sunday of the month and adding the scripture behind it to say, how did we come up with this? So here's who we, we, we are and here's who we long to be. To be an ecological and sustainable church that is locally produced by organic growth without artificial fertilizers, and follows the natural rhythms of the different seasons of life. And there's a lot in there. There's a lot to chew on, and we've been working through some of those key words this, uh, for the last little while, and we're going to work through another one today. Can we read again Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20? And let these words remind you. These were, the, these were the final words that Jesus spoke as he was leaving this earth. So he came to the earth, died on a cross, rose again, and now was with his disciples. They say over 500 people saw him, and now he's going back to heaven. Here's the last words he says. How many people think the last words Jesus says to people on earth are important words? So these, this statement, these, these words Jesus says... They've, de- kind of, they've been defined this way. They've been defined as the great commission or the great mission that God has given us as believers, all right? In verse 18, it says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's powerful. We could work through that for a long time. Jesus is the authority in heaven and earth. Amen? Why? He was obedient. You and I are not always obedient, but thank God Jesus is obedient. Amen? It says, now here's what he says to them. Here's the, you got to picture this now. Get this in your head. They're out somewhere in a field, and there's Jesus over there, and he starts to sort of like leave this earth. Can you get this picture? And he's going up, up, up. And these are the words he's saying. And this is what he says to do. He says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So those are where we're going to begin today. Those are the statements. That's the Bible verse and the statement we're going to work through. So let me say this. There's two reasons we say this is the Great Commission. 
Well, we need to be around people and we need to know God is great and God's love is great. And I think here's what we realize from this statement we call the Great Commission. God loves people. Come on, turn to somebody and say, God loves people. The entire reason, listen, the entire reason Jesus came to this earth, died on a cross, paid the price, paid the penalty for sin, was love. There's no other thing. It's love. And remember this. Love is this. Love is not just a word that's cute. Love isn't just a fuzzy feeling in your tummy. No, no, that will go away. Love is this. Love is service and sacrifice for somebody or something. So God, we say this, God so loved the world, he gave himself. Service and sacrifice for us. So this is the motive. God loves people. And now here's the other thing. Why do we call it the Great Commission? Because the reality is, there are billions of people on this beautiful little blue ball called the planet Earth that don't yet know God's love. And they say, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, but let's bring it closer to home. There's people in your life today that don't yet know God's love. Come on, there's family. Some, of, some people here, you have children who yet to experience God's love. You have friends, you have neighbors, you have parents, you have grandparents. There's people in your life today that, doesn't yet, that don't yet know God's love. How many people give me a wave on that? That's why the Great Commission is still the Great Commission today. God wants to reach people with his love. It's great also for this reason. It's great for us to be a part of what God is doing in this earth. See, people always ask me, say, what do you think God's doing in the earth? I, 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 I kind of tr- chuckle sometimes when people ask, they say, what's God up to? And, and the, the question is almost like, the question is phrased from a place of like, God is always just doing something completely different and new. No, no, God is, God is pretty uh, repetitious. What God says is what God does. So the question is, what is God up to today in the earth? The same thing he was up to 2,000 years ago when Jesus came. The same thing he said to those, those 500 people who witnessed him going to heaven is this, revealing his love to people. What is God up to? God is in the business of revealing himself to people. Amen? So maybe you're here today and you say, yeah, yeah, but Pastor Randy, I don't know if I've known God. That's okay. You can't find out God. You can't find God on your own. God must reveal himself to us. How does he do that? Well, he does that a few ways. He does that through his word. He does that through your, your experience that you can have with him. He'll do that through bringing somebody into your life to help you see something in a different way. So God is in the business, in the same business. What is it? Revealing his love to people. Amen. So we say, what is the vision? What, why is poor church here? Simple. Reveal God's love to people. That's why, that's why poor church exists. Why do we do what we do? To reveal God's love to people. Why do we pray at 1015? To reveal God's love to people. Why do we preach God's word? To reveal God's love to people. Why do we sing? To reveal God's love to people. Why do we pray? To reveal God's love to people. That's why we're here. Amen. So when you come to church, here's what's going to happen. You're going to begin to see something in your heart and mind. Something will begin to open up. And you say, oh, I see that. I sense that. I feel that. I understand that. God will reveal himself to you. Amen? Here's the next part of it. Don't just keep that. 
give it away. Amen? All right, so today we're going to look at this phrase to be locally produced. And when I say locally produced, I mean this. Seeing God reveal his love to people in your life. Come on, turn to somebody and say, this means your life. So where is that going to happen? What does it mean when I say locally produced? We long to see, listen now, you got, you got to catch this because this is so simple, I don't want you to miss it, okay? I love it if you leave church and say, wow, I really experienced God. Now that makes me feel good. I say, good job, Randy. We help people experience God. But you know, that's not really what I want. I can't wait till next Sunday and you come back and say, let me tell you what God did Tuesday at 2. I was having this random conversation with my neighbor, with a colleague at work, and God showed up. God did something to them. God began to reveal himself to this person. That's the key. Amen? That's what makes life as a believer exciting. That's what makes life as a believer something awesome and amazing. Church is great. Church is wonderful. Church is a place to get people equipped. Remember this. There's two ways you can look at church. Church is a hospital and church is a gymnasium. Come on now. What do you do in a hospital? I just spent a week. <laughs> you know what you do? You recover. You get better. You get well. You get healed. You get made whole. Church is a hospital. What do you do when you go to the gym? Whew, you work out. You lift weights. You get on that stepper. You do whatever. You, why? Because you're training and you're equipping. And you're getting stronger. So church, coming to church on a Sunday... If you need it to be a hospital for you, trust me, the Holy Spirit will minister everything you need so you can get better. But for some of us, we come to church and we get challenged. Say, oh, that's going to be a little bit of work. Yep. (laughs) So it depends where you are in life. There will be times you need it to be a hospital. Let it be a hospital. But there are other times you say, let it be a gym. So this is what happens in church. You get challenged in these different ways. My goodness, I'm giving you so many nuggets today. I'm not even getting through my notes. So I've got to keep moving. Here we go. So we're talking about being locally produced. That means your life and my life. Let's look at this and let's try to find something out about God and how he works. A couple points. The first point is this. God always begins from the smallest place, from the littlest thing, from the most insignificant place. I like to say this. God begins with the hopeless and the helpless. God begins with a seed. Do you know a seed is so vulnerable? You can lose a seed. Come on, how many people are gardeners? At least would like to be a gardener? (laughs) Come on, there we go. Now I got most of you. you. Some seeds are so tiny, if a good breath of wind catches it, it's gone. Oh, I lost my seat. So God, God is totally in the business of using the vulnerable. The thing that looks so insignificant. Say, how is anything amazing going to come out of this? And then you can look at your life and say, could God really work through me? Yeah, but I, I, I don't know all that Bible. I'm not a pastor. I wouldn't know what to say. No, 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 no. It's so simple. It's so beautiful. And here's what I, what I want to help us with today. Sharing your story is one of the greatest things you can do. Your story. Your story of God's glory in your life. That's the best thing. All right, so God always begins with these things. Think about what God began with. Jesus began his ministry by calling 12 men 
who were angry, frightened, and undisciplined. Many of them were just average, ordinary people who had regular jobs. Fishermen, tax collectors hated people. Zealots, some were really passionate, but their passion had no compassion. We talked about that a few weeks ago. So how does God really get the glory in this world? So if we say, you know, by God's grace, on our doors, you walk out, you'll see by God's grace, for God's glory. Well, here's a question. How does God really get the glory through Port Church and through your life? How? God gets the glory by putting you and I in a situation where we can't do much. God gets the glory in using people who... who may not look as though they have everything that, that God needs to, be, to, to do something amazing. God gets the glory when I can look and say, but for God, that was hopeless. Now God can truly get the glory. But if I say, yeah, let me tell you my strengths. Let me tell you how awesome I am. Let me tell you what I did. Well, hold on, who's getting the glory? Me, me, me. So if I want actually to live that statement that God be the glory... Listen, there's only one way that happens. You will find yourself in a place and in a season where you can do nothing. Any takers? See, that's where faith becomes a challenge. Say, do I really want God to get the glory? Come on. See, I've tricked you. How many people want God to have the glory in your life? See, now you're not not sure. Come on, who wants God to have the glory? You know how? He's going to put you in situations where you need him. But that's okay. That's okay. Because in the situation you find yourself, you will experience something that you cannot experience any other place. You will experience the power of God. You will experience the strength of God. You will experience the grace of God. Amen? So that's the power. People say, walking with Christ is one of the most exciting things you can do. It's completely exciting to walk with Christ. It's horrible to walk in your own strength. But to walk with Christ is exciting. Why? You will get to see him be active and alive and real in your world. You will experience things that no man could even help you experience. God will show up. So that's how God gets the glory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says this in verse 26 to 31. We'll read these quickly. I got a lot of verses I'm just going to read and, and resist the temptation to elaborate on. It says this, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world. What did I say? God chooses the vulnerable, the hopeless, the helpless. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. What is he saying? He's saying God always chooses something that looks impossible because then really he can be glorified. I want you to understand this. Think of the most impossible situation in your life. Let me encourage you today. God wants to show up and do something in that situation in your life that you can honestly look at and say, but for God, that would have been a failure. That's God. Think about it now. Take the worst situation that you're going through right now today in this moment. God wants to show up in that. Amen? That's him. That's his M.O. Say, God helps those who help themselves. No, friends. No. 
God helps those who cannot help themselves. Amen? That's who God helps. But uh, Next verse, please. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things of this world, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. What, what is he saying? What is, what is the book of Corinthians telling us? God chooses things that from a human perspective are hopeless. There's no hope. Ah, now God. But for God. So this is what we're going through. Next one. Is that the end? Of, maybe I'll give you more. So that, look at this. Why did God choose all that stuff? So that no one may boast before him. <laughs> see, here's the thing. If I really want to see God in my life, I really want to see God. Do you know what's going to happen? God's going to place me in situations where I really need him. And listen, it's not a mystery to say God will create a situation where you, where you really need him. No, every one of us in this room today, this moment, I promise you, have some situation going on in your life where you really need God. My need is not Renata's need. Renata's need is not Donna's. Donna's is not Uli's. Uli's is not, is not Scott's. But we all have a need. Amen? And God will show up in the midst of that. That's who he is. So we said this this morning. We want to find out a little bit about who God is. So God begins with the simple. Can I remind you of one other thing? When we went through these verses, at the beginning it said, God did not choose many wise. But here's the key. When you meet him, you don't stay unwise. You now become wise. Amen? You don't have to stay unnoble. You now can become noble. You don't have to stay unsuccessful. Maybe God found you in a place where you were unwise, unsuccessful, unnoble, hopeless, and helpless. Let me help you. When God picks you up, you will not remain unwise. You will not have the wisdom of him. You will have the nobility of him. He will take you to places you only dreamed of. And maybe it was so far, so far you couldn't even dream it. Because that's who God is. God is in the business of taking this and putting you here. Amen. That's his business. Don't make it your business. So you missed that. Don't make it your business to take yourself from here and put you here. Let that be God's business. Amen. That's him. And he was faithful to do this. God is faithful. My goodness, I feel inspired this morning. I haven't slept much all week. Maybe it's exhaustion you're getting this morning. I'm not sure. Something is good. Come on. Here we go. Second thing we know about God. God always begins small. Don't be afraid of small. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10 says this. Are we there? We're thinking back there. The computer's thinking. It's a little circle spinning. There we go. Maybe it's not thinking. It says this. Oh, here we go. It says, who dares to despise the day of small beginnings? It says, don't despise the small. Don't despise when, when you look and you say, all I have is something insignificant. All I have is something vulnerable. All I have in my hand looks hopeless. All I have in my hand looks helpless. Whew, that's all God needs. All God needs is a seed. Amen? 
That's all he needs. He needs, needs something tiny. Who dares despise the day of small beginnings? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice. Look at this now. He says, don't despise the little thing you have in your hand. God will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of the Lord. A lot of good verses there. What is he saying? Don't despise the little you have. See, we think it's too little. This is hopeless. This, what can God do with this? What can God do with me? I may not have the education. I may not have this. I may not have the name and the standard and the position and the title. What can God do through me? No. You miss it. This is who God works through. Historically, God has worked through the least, the last, and the lost. Join the club and then go on a journey with him. Amen? Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 to 7. I, just, I want to talk about this. God begins with the small. It says this. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Look at this. Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord is assigned to each his task. Now look at this. It says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. Look at this now. Come on. But God has been making it grow. Hold that verse there. Think about this in your life. You can say, I just, have, I just have a little bit of love. Plant that love. I just have a little bit of faith. Plant that faith. I just have a little bit of hope. Give that hope to God. How do you plant these things? I say Because I use this terminology that actually is hard to, for our mind to get. Say, how do I plant? I have a little bit of love in my heart for people. How do I plant that? I, I, the way you plant it is this. Give it to God. Say, God, I have some love in my heart. And watch what happens when you give that to God. God will cause this love to grow in you. Say, I just have a little bit of forgiveness. Give that. Give. I, just, I got a lot of resentment, but a little bit of forgiveness. Give the forgiveness. Watch what comes back in your life. Amen? Watch. So I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Come on, turn to somebody and say, God is faithful. Come on, say it one more time. God is faithful. Now let me encourage you, that thing you've been holding on to, that little thing that looks so vulnerable and hopeless, that little dream. I tell you, there's some people in this room today, you've had a dream. You've had a dream that you believe was from God. And you know what you've realized? You've almost come to the place where you've given up on it. You say, that's never going to happen. That was stupid. I don't know why I held on to that so long. Oh, no, no, no. Problem is you held on to it. You didn't plant it. Give it back to him. Come on, give it to him. Let God be the one who causes your dream to grow. You and I can't grow our dream. Do you get that? You can't, you can't grow your love for your spouse. Say, today I'm going to be love Rachel Moore. I'm going to love Mullen and Oscar. Good luck. Good luck. Do you know how that happens? God causes you to love your spouse more. God causes you to love your kids more. God causes you to be more patient with people. God causes kindness to come out of you. What God asks us to do, God does first. So what is the world waiting for? You know what the world is waiting for? For you and I to be the believers he wants us to be. And then let him do something with that. Amen? So don't give up on people. Don't give up on your spouse. Don't give up on your neighbor. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your... Don't give up on people. 
Why? Because God is faithful. Here we go. I'm going to skip along, and I'm going to go to Luke chapter 9, and we're going to end here. Luke chapter 9. I've I got to go so quick through this, and not that I, I want to, but I just I need to move. Here we go. Luke chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, you can go with me to uh, verse 57. It says this. Just, just get this picture in your head. So here's the backdrop. Jesus is with his disciples, but Jesus is planning a mission. So his mission is he's going to gather 72 followers, and he's going to send them out two by two to go ahead of him and prepare the towns and villages for where he's about to go, okay? So as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. That's a bold statement. Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. So Jesus looks at another guy and says, hey, come follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go, and look what he says. He says, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So what does that Announce, live, demonstrate the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy. This is so interesting. He says to this guy, go proclaim the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy. What is God saying to us today as Port Church? Go proclaim the kingdom of God. Go tell people your story. Go tell people how you found peace with God. Go tell people about your experience with God. That's it. Go share. Go proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and, and say goodbye to my family. Not really an unreasonable request. You understand? It's really not unreasonable. Jesus replied, No one who puts a, ha- a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. After this, the Lord appointed. Now, here's, here's what I want to focus on a little bit today. Give me five minutes, and I've got to finish this within five minutes. And if I don't finish in five minutes, I'm just going to cut. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The first thing I want to say is this, God sends people out. So what is that saying to you and I? God has a mission for you and I. I want to ask you a question. Who are you on mission with? Jesus sent people out two by two. He didn't send them out on their own. He didn't say, go, go, we're not, it's, the world is on your shoulders. No, no, he sent them out together. I want you to think about the logic of that. Think of the logic of knowing that you are on mission from Jesus with somebody else. What's the strength of that? Well, you have companionship. You have the strength of someone else. You have the prayer support of someone else. You have the common connection with someone else. You, have the, you can experience the, the goodness of God with someone else. Who are you on mission with in your life? Let's keep going. Verse 3. Go, he says. I'm sending you out. Now this is, this is something. 
This is Jesus' word. He says, go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Isn't that a little scary? Does anyone know what a wolf likes to eat? Lamb chops. <laughs> you understand here? So, so Jesus, is, he uses these terms. He says, I'm sending you out like, like lambs among wolves. Is there anything more vulnerable? What did we just finish saying? We said God loves using the vulnerable. God loves using the hopeless and the helpless and the weak. There's, no, there's nothing a lamb can do to fend off a wolf. Nothing. No, it ain't going to work. But you know what the beauty is? Look, look. If you and I are the lamb and people in this world is the wolf, do you know what the beauty is? Now we know we have a protector. Jesus didn't want to give us a picture of one little thought that you and I could protect ourselves. No. He gave us the most vulnerable picture that possibly could be created. Wolves and lambs. He says, and this is you. What does that say? God is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He will guide me. He will lead me. And he will hit away and knock away whoever needs to be knocked out of my life. I don't have to protect myself. I don't have to defend myself. No, no. My good shepherd will protect and defend me. Amen? So don't worry about protecting yourself. Relax. Let Jesus be Jesus. Let the good shepherd lead you. Amen? Verse 3. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. Do not greet anyone on the road. Wow, he says, no, go. Finish the assignment I've given you. Verse 5. Now here's where I want to get to. When you enter a house, so here's the question. If you and I are missionaries, if we're on mission from Jesus, and the mission that God has given us is to help people experience God's love, how do I know who to do that with? Like, the world is full of people. I encounter people every day of my life. Who do I do this with? How do I know God has sent me there and not there? How do I know I should focus here and not there? Where do I focus? Where do I put my attention? Where do I pour my energy, my love, my patience, my hope, my prayer? Where? And I think this is the key. God has specific people and specific places for you and I to do that. Can I say this? Where you live today, where you work, where you get your hair cut, where you grocery shop, you think you just decided to make some choices. No. God is love. God loves those people that you've encountered in those places so much, he sent you there to meet them. Come on. You think you're living in the place that you're living in because it's an accident? No, no. God put you there. Because there's people right around there God needs you to reach. God loves those people so much. He says, I'm going to send Marilyn. I'm going to put her in that apartment building. And there's going to be hundreds of other people a stone's throw from where her front door is. And we're moving across the world to go do missions. Not that that's a bad thing. What about the mission at home? Come on. Not all of us. Listen, not all of us can go overseas to do missions. Now, you wondering that or give, give me a little wave? Come on. Now, some people should go because that's what they're called to do. But what, of us, what about us? I'm not called to missions. I'm not called to go overseas and pour my life into that. That's not, 
the God in me. But God has put me in a place. God has given me neighbors, people, encounters where I can see him. Amen? Come on. Oh, my goodness, I'm running out of time. When you enter a house, here's how you know where to pour your energy. First, say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating, drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. And when you enter a town, you're welcome to eat what is offered, heal the sick who are there, tell them, tell them what? The kingdom of God has come near to you. So how do we know? How do you know who to engage in relationship? How do you know where to pour your energy and pour your life? One simple question. Who welcomes you? Who welcomes you? So if you, if you want to get to know your neighbor, you knock on the door and say, Hi, my name's Randy. I just live across the street. And they slam the door in your face. That might be a sign they may not want to get to know you. <laughs> but on the other hand, say, Hey, I'm Jim. And yeah, this is my wife, Sue. And this is my kids. Well, now you have an open door. They've welcomed your peace. Does that make sense? Now, if you do get the door slammed, I would say pray for them. We don't just say, God will get you. No, say pray for them. That God's love will get them. Come on, if you're going to pray for God to get someone, pray his love gets them. So look, has... Have people in your life welcomed your peace? Have people come seeking who you are? Do people long to be in your world and in your life? Listen, that is God at work. Now, what this message should do for us is in our hearts and minds, we should feel some sense of like, oh. I tell you right now, you're thinking of people that have been coming into your life. You're thinking of neighbors who you've had for years and you're like, yeah, they tried to say hi to me when I was cutting the grass, but I was so busy, I just needed to get that grass cut. I was, didn't have to trim the edge. Come on. You go shopping at the same place every day. You're all, habit, you're all creatures of habit just like me. Even if you travel around for the deals, you're creatures of habits. <laughs> Some of you, so you go to Sobeys for this, no frills for that. Come on. Your creatures, we have habits in our life. Who are the people in your world today that God loves so much? Listen, he sent you and I into their life. That is crazy. I think, God, are you sure you should send me? I think Renata's a better option. She'll really pray for them a lot. I might just pray for them a little. But no, this is where I live. Poor church is here to help people experience God's love. Are we perfect? No. But I'm not worried about being perfect. I don't want a perfect church, actually. Because if we have a perfect church, I have to leave because I'm not perfect. But if we have a church full of love, love covers a multitude of sin. Come on. Love strengthens. Love builds bridges where there's walls. Love's kick, 
Love kicks down walls where, there's, where there shouldn't be walls and there needs to be bridges. That's what love does. God has given us people in our life to love. Amen? So serve them. Sacrifice for them. Love them. Come on, let's pray as we close. Father, thank you for today. I thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for the people that you are bringing to our hearts and minds right now. We pray for them. Families, friends, neighbors who don't yet know your love. Father, we are filled with joy and excitement at Port Church and who we are, what you've called us to be, and how we're going to achieve that. Here we are, Lord. Here we are. Open our eyes, Holy Spirit, to the people that are receiving our peace. And Lord, may you reveal your love to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.